From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Critically analyzing global affairs, this is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, great chat. First hour we've got coming up in a bit, Carrie Baldwin, MereLiberty.com, Christian Libertarian. Um, and tweet of the day of the weekend goes out to Alexander Dugan. Um, he says, quote, new strikes of U.S. against Syria and Iraq. The real war is on the threshold. The Shia poll is formed in the Middle East. Iran, Houthis, Hezbollah, Iraq, Assad. We see now what Shia civilization is activated when the end time approaches. That is Zuhur moment. I've got no idea what is Zuhur. Netanyahu is moved by alternative eschatological scenario. Messianic building of greater Israel. End time regimes feel each other and recognize each other unmistakably. Post-gender and post-human satanic globalist liberal democracy is intermingled as Antichrist Dajjal factor. Welcome to the geopolitics of Judgment Day. Fascinating. Uh, Michael Oxford, who I had on the program maybe a month ago, he's out in California. He just tweeted, uh, he's running for local office. Uh, he says, I'm currently sitting at my house with no power due to lack of payment. He says he's 40 years old and this has never happened to him in his life. And basically the reason was he was fired from his job from refusing to wear a face mask and this was only a year ago, almost to the day, literally about, um, yeah, a year ago in California. And now he's been blacklisted in this um, industry. He said he can't even get a job at a grocery store uh, as, a, as a clerk. Um, absolutely crazy. Um, his website, Oxford2024.com, SC Mountain Goat on Twitter. <laughs> you know, get the word out for people uh, like this. And... Canada more and more is beginning to look and feel like 1940s Germany. Canada halts controversial assisted suicide program for mentally ill due to lack of doctors willing to participate. Seriously, it's like Nazi German eugenics out there in Canada. Uh, and I guess this is good news because there are doctors now, medical professionals growing a conscience saying, yeah, we don't really want to kill people the state deems undesirable. We've sort of seen that movie before, 1930s, 1940s, um, Germany and, and America as well, because we've talked about this before. The real eugenicists are the Anglo-American elite who backed the German uh, elite. So that's crazy. Uh, and what also is crazy in UK what's going on they're advancing rapidly the 15-minute city Sadiq Khan is investing 150 million in secret technology that could deliver pay per mile road charging we've been talking about this for so long they want to take away your cars uh, or they want to make it so expensive you can't own a car whereas again I've talked about how this is happening in Mexico it's all over the place uh, and so secret technology project capable of charging motorists a pay per mile road tax it's called Project Detroit, set up by Transport for London to create a more sophisticated new core technology platform for road user charging. It says, um, yeah, they talk about ULEZ, the ultra low emission zone, basically sending them for a resilient city, which I, you know, I live in a resilient city, smart city, 15 minute city, 
and they could introduce a charge based on the distance driven in cars within London. Absolute insanity. Absolute insanity. On the economy, Jerome, Jerome Powell in a 16, 60 Minutes interview has said the U.S. federal government is on an unsustainable fiscal path. And that just means that the debt is growing faster than the economy. We're borrowing from future generations. And Nassim Taleb has come out um, and gave a short three-minute video explanation of the death of the debt death spiral uh and that America is now becoming extremely fragile um so again compound that with Jerome Powell's statements Nassim Taleb and many others uh it seems like we're getting closer and closer to the edge of the cliff and uh of course what solves the problem war world war as Ed Dowd and many others explain Hey, forget forget the financial collapse. We, we got a nuke Russia, China, Iran. Um, Eric Schmidt's secret military project revealed attack drones. So uh, Eric Schmidt, formerly of, of Google, uh, he's been quietly working on um, White Stork, which is going to be pumping out. It's a drone start, startup. Uh, I guess they'll be working with suicide attack drones. Uh, I, maybe they'll be meant for us. I don't know. Skynet is becoming self-aware. Tucker Carlson's in, in in Russia now. Uh, I'm betting he probably has or will interview Putin. So Tucker is is in Russia. That's um, interesting. Just more war news. Telegraph. We must rise to the challenge of a pre-war world, and quickly. Warnings of a possible Russian offensive against NATO are a wake-up call. We are at a dangerous point in history. Sir Jeremy Quinn. Meanwhile. Um, Romanian Chief of Defense Staff General has urged the training of ordinary citizens for potential war with Russia, stating that such a conflict could erupt in the immediate future. Meanwhile, back in my other homeland of Croatia, mandatory military service um, is being reconsidered. So everyone is prepping for war and they cite, again, trends, um, regional security dynamics, um, Danish defense intel in a new threat assessment finds it very likely that Russia will use actual military means to challenge the North Atlantic terrorist organization known as NATO. Previous assessment was that it would only use hybrid capabilities. Neil Ferguson, who I often mentioned, establishment historian, he's come out and said, Biden's fear of Putin and appeasement of Iran are making World War III more, not less Likely, we have perhaps 12 months to grasp the big lesson of history. China says NATO is pushing the Russia-Ukraine conflict toward a world war. Also, China defense minister said, um, told Shoigu that China will willfully will fully support Russia on the Ukrainian issue, despite the ongoing pressure from the U.S. and Europe. Also, U.S. Increasingly, uh, is increasing its urgent military aid to Guyana as neighboring Venezuela's threats linger. Let's not forget, forget about Venezuela and Guyana. And King Charles is diagnosed with cancer. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. A quick reminder uh, that if you miss your favorite TNT show or interview, simply listen or watch it when you want, uh, wherever you want. Just visit episodes on the TNT Radio website, uh, rumble.com, bitshoot.com, brightian.com. We're also on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean. There's no reason to miss out on anything on today's news talk TNT. 
Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. A pigeon accused of being a Chinese spy and serving eight months in Indian detainment has been freed into the wild after police determined the bird was innocent. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Hervori. Uh, first of all, this this story is dependent on the belief that birds are real. So if you are one of the many people out there uh, who believe birds are not real, uh, why don't you tune out now? Because this story is going to be lost on you. I'm only halfway kidding. I'm not sure if you all are familiar with this. There's actually a very popular conspiracy theory among Gen Zers called birds aren't real. Uh, this is something that began back in 2016, 2017-ish, and it posits that birds don't exist and that they are really actually drone replicas installed by the U.S. government to spy on Americans. True story. Uh, this was actually very popular. It got popular again last year when it was revealed that uh, a team at New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology, this is in Socorro, New Mexico. I should know. I actually went to college there. True story. Uh, they were doing a thing where they were actually taking dead birds that were preserved through taxidermy and were converting them into drones. <laughs> and so the birds aren't real. People caught wind of that and they went nuts uh, and it hit fever pitch in the summer of last year, so much so that the creator of the viral movement, one 23-year-old Peter McIndo, had to reveal to the New York Times it was all a prank. It's just a joke and everybody's in on it. But they used the movement, I suppose, Ravori, to uh, draw attention to real plights of real birds kind of like PETA would do. And hey, speaking of PETA and birds, apparently we have them to thank for the freeing of this pigeon who was suspected of conducting espionage operations on behalf of communist China. Uh, they have officially released the bird. He's a free bird <laughs> after eight months of detention. This was following an intervention by PETA. Uh, that's the, uh, 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 I forget what their thing is. Uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of the Animals. There we go. Uh, the bird was detained last May, close to a port in Mumbai, after it was discovered wearing two rings on its legs with words that appeared to be Chinese inscribed on its wings, which prompted concerns about its possible involvement in espionage. Eventually, though, it was determined that the pigeon had no nefarious intentions towards the Indian state and was, in fact, an open-water racing bird from Taiwan, that had escaped and made its way to the subcontinent. Uh, the pigeon, who had apparently <laughs> uh, apparently had been deemed a flight risk, was held at an animal hospital before its transfer last week to the Bombay Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, whose staff set it free last week. Um, I'm going to quote here, uh, quote, after learning that a pigeon was held at the Bai Sagharbi Dinsha Petit Hospital for Animals in Perel as case property for an astonishing eight months, PETA India sprang into action to secure the bird's freedom from captivity, end quote. That is what PETA uh, said in a statement on its website. Uh, following PETA's intervention, Mumbai police approved 
the release of the wrongfully accused avian. Uh, the pigeon's eight-month ordeal is not the first instance of a bird being suspected of foul play in India. In 2020, police in the India-administered part of Kashmir freed a bird that was also suspected of spying after it flew across the heavily militarized border separating India and Pakistan. And in 2016, another pigeon was detained in India after it was reportedly found carrying a note containing a threat to Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Uh, you can't make this up. And of course, uh, famously not that long ago, uh, Herbori, here in the United States of America, there was a pigeon who was caught flying a white balloon across. Oh, wait, that wasn't a pigeon. All right. Uh, in case you didn't know, this is an actual real thing. Historically, pigeons have been used in spying operations, including by the UK during both world wars to deliver messages. Uh, famously, a bird named Gustav ferried the first news of the D-Day landings back to the UK after details were attached to the winged messenger on Sword Beach in Normandy on June 6th, 1944. Avori, what do you think? Uh, is this a good one or is this story for the birds? Well, I think when the internet goes down, Ruckus, you and I, we're we're going to be communicating via a messenger uh, <laughs> vision. And sometimes I do wonder, you know, sometimes in my home here, I'll get really annoying flies or or some type of insect. Uh, there's pigeons all around, and I I wonder if those are actually, you know, DARPA Pentagon spies. Uh, you know, for people that don't know, you can do the research. They've created. They've they've either taken real flies and then made them cyborgs uh or their synthetic fly robots uh with like cameras and who knows uh what M you know maybe these days they can if they want to assassinate someone they could just send in a robotic fly release something and that's it uh you know th this is real stuff real technology i was just wondering ruckus how they managed to track this vision for so long for eight months and not like not lose track of it it's like because you put it in the cage other you know other government workers will be like that's just a random pigeon like you know the government is always often incompetent like even with humans and let alone you know uh animals and so uh that was quite uh the feat and so it's interesting yeah uh your your further thoughts um on this or the wider you know uh war with china I'm shocked and disgusted by your uh, rank display of species of speciesism. Um, it's kind of like racism, except towards other animals. Um, because you can't tell one pigeon apart from the other, Havori. What are you saying, man? That's terrible. <laughs> it's not just kidding. Um, yeah, but it, it, this really does bring up, uh, you know, an elephant in the room is that we, we are certainly, I mean, it's 2024 now. We're definitely in the, the stage where anything and everything around you could literally be spying on you, uh, including the pigeons. Uh, it's really fascinating stuff. I can't believe they held the pigeon for eight months. That's the part that's shocking to me. I'm like, were they just waiting to see? Like, how would they know? What is it about holding it for eight months that they're like, oh, yeah, it's official. Well, you know, we stopped whatever threat. I mean, this this whole story is very strange to me, but interesting at the same time. Um, and did you know about that that conspiracy theory? Birds aren't real. I just learned about that uh, this year, actually. So that's why I knew so much about it. It, it rings a bell. I think I've heard about it before, but I've I've forgotten about it. I, I just got a memory flashed back to me when I was in China 20 years ago. I was in China 20 years ago, um, and I remembered seeing fried pigeons on a stick on the street. Uh, no, not making any culinary diet. Um, uh, what do you call it? Judgments 
here I'm, I'm pretty open to a lot of that sort of stuff um yes i've eaten bugs uh crickets to be um precise and i, I just bought some worm salt the other day in new mexico but uh, it was interesting chinese eat fried pigeon uh, on the street um and i was gonna mention it's funny uh ruckus that that uh says scientists in the state of new mexico began working on this project i think you're from new mexico and apparently our next guest is also based in new mexico what's going on here ruckus really really interesting day all right catch up with you uh in a bit we've got carrie baldwin mere liberty Dot com uh joining us feel free to call in uh or send in comments or questions uh, drop them in the live chat or through my email we'll be right back now as we move into an election year in u.s politics at a time when the western empire is under attack from within as if an orchestrated decline is the plan whilst at the same time the rise of BRICS nations represents a rise of a new multipolar order institutions that have controlled the world are at last being questioned for their behavior and their failures absolute power corrupts absolutely and the truth shall set us free those two statements sit at opposite ends of the zeitgeist in a world that is filled with death destruction deceit and a wholesale unwillingness to hold anyone in power to account except for anyone who takes power against the ruling elite of course and then we have seen how that system works. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk It sounds pretty good. It's it like, sounds real it's dude. Not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Joining us on the Rebel Transmission for the first uh, time, Carrie Baldwin, who is an independent researcher and writer with a BA in philosophy from Arizona State University. In addition to the content and courses on her website, mereliberty.com, she's also a regular contributor for the Libertarian Christian um, Institute. Welcome to TNT Radio, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, and, you know, I discovered um, you recently through your appearance on uh, Chris uh, Baker's Fountainhead. I first got to meet Chris, was it last year in Texas when I when I attended for the first time? It was my first time in Texas uh, and my first time at a Ron Paul Institute conference. And so we got to meet. I've had Chris on the program. I've been, I've, I've been on his Fountainhead uh, as well. And, you know, I'm also, I'm a Christian and I'm libertarian-ish. I wouldn't call myself a libertarian. Um, the only category that I, I feel comfortable with classifying myself is Christian, pretty much. But um, tell us a bit about the work uh, that, that you're doing. Uh, I, 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 I'm very interested in what you're doing with uh, Mere Liberty. I think there's a lot of good stuff going on there. 
Yeah. So my mission with Mirror Liberty is to challenge and rethink prevailing paradigms in politics, religion, and culture. And I take uh, I take that from a philosophically libertarian view and a theologically reformed view. So if your audience is familiar with reformed um, or Calvinist theology, um, that's that's sort of the the angle that I take it from. So I do talk about libertarian stuff, um, but I talk about a lot more. Um, it really is uh, issues that maybe more tangential to libertarianism, um, especially culture and the church and how those th those things intersect. Um, and then the other thing that I do is teach courses, online courses in critical thinking using the Socratic method. Uh, um, and that I call my Liberty Seminar. Uh, very cool. Yeah, I was looking at that. And, you know, for the longest time, Carrie, I've been obsessed with freedom and and tyranny and 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 liberty right the last mm -hmm. 20 years we see everything that's going on around us i've got right behind me the poster with uh thomas jefferson liberty begins with you i think that's from liberty maniacs they they, they do very cool um posters and yes. stuff like that and and um i got that like over a decade ago uh but <laughs> just so what's your sort of pulse um your thoughts on the current state of liberty in the US uh, and the world, it, it doesn't look good, does it? Well, I have to say I sort of fluctuate between white pill and black pill. Sometimes I feel like everything is going to hell in a handbasket. And other times I think, hey, we're doing actually pretty good. Um, and I think, you know, if you think about it, um, we, in, in order to actually achieve a free society, we do need to do a little bit of purging. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're going to get these these situations that are uh, stressful or seemingly chaotic or things like that. So in some ways, I think we're going through some birth pangs. Um, but I also think that we should be realistic and say it's not a foregone conclusion that liberty is going to be the final outcome. That that is pretty pretty white uh, pilling, and and maybe to just get your thoughts. <laughs> on the US first, because it feels like in some ways, what we're experiencing in the US, we, we may be entering uncharted territory. I had Daniel McCarthy on um, recently, he, he he writes for Modern Age, um, Spectator. He was saying the system will be put on trial with this year's uh, elections. There's talk of a second civil war, uh, all, all this sort of crazy stuff. Um, and then we've got what I think, you know, this regime in Washington is trying to implement a one party system uh they're doing things like i've never uh you know even i'm getting caught up in the mix others have have far worse um experiences you know but just that the fact i still can't believe it two years ago the dhs bans me a u.s citizen from paypal i'm like what is going on i thought you know i'm uh, an american it's a free country right no and now they're right. looking you know domestic extremist terrorism you know people uh like ourselves are increasingly being called domestic extremists and so just your thoughts on what's going on in america well i do think that the the rhetoric is amping up and the desperation of the power brokers is amping up um, and I call it desperation because when they when they get to this point, I mean, for I, I've been a libertarian since 2008, right? And it's not like they haven't pulled shenanigans before, but they've been much 
more quiet about it. They've been, uh, you know, they've they've tried to paint it in a way that the public uh, buys into as something that's good for us. They're not really pretending anymore. Um, and I think actually that's a sign of their weakness. Um, this is amping up of authoritarianism and um, really shutting the the facade of of being the the freest nation of the world in, in the world is is going away, and that's because they're weak and they know it. Um, so I know <laughs> you mentioned I'm white pill. But I've seen this. I, I, I've seen this before with um, with authoritarianism in in other realms, and it really is a signal of of their weakness. Yeah, that that is an excellent point. I mean, that is just lo logical. It's it's uh, it's factual what you just stated. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing what they're um, right. doing. And then, um, any thoughts on you know how much does globalism factor into your libertarian? Uh, a calculus, you know, we've got the World Economic Forum, the biosecurity state they want to implement via the WHO and the UN. Just any thoughts uh, on, on, on um, you know, the, the whole Great Reset project? Right. I mean, obviously, that is a nightmare. Um, I am encouraged, though, to see the protests around the world um, concerning that. And uh, again, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win. I think that's what they want us to believe. Um, you know, part of my my research has been, uh, and this has been from even my own experience, has been in the realm of abusive relationships. And that's how I see, you know, our relation to the state and certainly the relation to the World Economic Forum and these globalists. And in abusive relationships, they the abuser wants to take the path of least resistance. And so if they can persuade you that there's no hope for you, you should just go along with it and you do it, that's that's them winning. And I don't see that I don't see that that is a foregone conclusion. Um, I think that especially when Klaus Schwab came out and named libertarianism as public enemy, you know, number one, I think that was uh, a, a sign of his own fear about uh, just about the impact that libertarianism has. And if he's willing to say it on the public stage, that means that libertarianism is having an impact and we should keep doing what we're doing. Most definitely, we should all keep doing what we're doing because I don't think we have a choice. If we stop, we're right. completely screwed. And I'm getting many guests such as yourself saying evil will never prevail. It might get ugly. Some of us might not make it, but um, truth uh, uh, wins in the end. Uh, I had a, a I had on my podcast last year, Ron Paul, um, and he was saying that, you know, what we're doing is we're, we're uh, modern day pamphleteering. And the, you know the, the most important thing to do is just keep speaking the truth in every which way that we can in person, uh, digitally, uh, and that uh, <laughs> eventually we're going to win this thing. Uh, real quick, Gary, we're going to jump to our headlines. TNT Radio Live, the station, the first to broadcast breaking news. TNT Radio News for TNT. This is James O'Neill. Over a dozen Republican governors have joined Texas Governor Greg Abbott in Eagle Pass, Texas, to express their support for a stance against the Biden administration regarding the surge in illegal border crossings. Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla and SpaceX, has accused President Joe Biden and his administration of using the current migrant surge at the U.S. border to increase the Democratic Party's voter base. 
Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, is under a local state of emergency due to one of the heaviest snowfalls in 20 years. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. We are talking to Carrie Baldwin. Check out her website, mereliberty.com. She's got courses that may be of interest to you. Follow her on Twitter X uh, as well. And you're talking about education. Uh, and, and also, I'm having a number of guests. Uh, I talked to Jeremy Ryan Slate. We'll be back on the program next week. Uh, and he was saying one of the biggest um, solutions is, is education. And, you know, we think about tyranny. Uh, throughout the ages, Hitler, Lenin, mm -hmm. um, and they focused on the youth. And if we think about the current scientific dictatorship, the technocracy, their focus is now on the youth to get the youth to accept the these digital technologies, the digital IDs. You know, 2021, I was teaching virtually from uh, right here from this seat to, to Kazakhstan. I was living in Kazakhstan for a few years as a teacher. And during COVID-1984, uh, you know, I was I was here and I was asking my Kazakh high school students uh, because there they were still living under the regime where you could not enter into a coffee shop, a restaurant in Kazakhstan, uh, mall mm. without scanning your 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 biosecurity state, whether you took the PCR test or or got the vax. And they they used the app called Ashuk. And um, I asked the high school kids in Kazakhstan that I was talking with through the courses. I'm like, do you guys see anything wrong with that? I'm mean, just prodding them and like kind of using like the Socratic, Socratic method as, as you allude mm -hmm. to. And n everyone was down with it. Like, the, and th they lived in the, you know, their forefathers weren't the former in, in the Soviet Union. I'm like, you okay. should be the first to understand this totalitarianism. They don't. And so uh, in any case, I feel like education is important going forward. And then, um, you, you know, your further thoughts on education, the state of public education, critical thinking, which is going by the wayside these days with the youth. Uh, and then, you know, we're seeing a resurgence in, in homeschooling as well. Yeah. So, you know, uh, many of us have asked the question of ourselves, how, how the heck did we get here? Right. Uh, um, and I think it's not just the youth. It was certainly my generation uh, as well. I'm a millennial, first year millennial. And uh, even before that, we were not taught the skills of critical thinking. When we went to school, and certainly it's it's even worse now with, with the youth, with the younger generations. But when we went to school, we were not taught how to think. We were taught what to think. Um, we were not taught um, how to come to understand or learn, right? What we were taught was how to pass a test. And passing a test is just a matter of, of uh, memorizing and regurgitating whatever it is that we're told, right? So in some ways, it's not a surprise that these students from, from Kazakhstan did not remember, right? Um, even their own history about the USSR and that sort of thing, because they, I'm sure they wouldn't, weren't taught that. And they certainly weren't taught to think through that. And that's true of, of students in the United States, but this is true of our generation as well. Um, if you look at, uh, you know, you can do a Google search for critical thinking skills in the workplace and it's in high demand because it's been on the decline. Um, and this is a skill, critical thinking and, and 
uh, and skills that are associated with it are skills that you not only have to learn, but you have to practice and you keep, you have to keep using. It's like, um, you know, when you go to the gym, right. And you start building muscle, you have to keep going, uh, in order to maintain a certain level of strength. Well, it's the same thing with critical thinking. So what I teach with my courses is I, I take you back to, to basics. Now, a lot of us, when we think about critical thinking, we think about, uh, analyzing and synthesis and, and debate and, you know, why is this idea wrong and that sort of thing. And that's actually not what critical thinking is. Critical thinking is um, about coming to understand an idea and conceptualize it and see every facet of it before you even get into, is this a good idea, the analysis. So um, I've broken down uh, that sort of learning process into steps so that you can see it. Most of us, um, because we weren't taught how to think, we don't know that there's this this process to it or that there's steps that we can uh, that we can take to go through it. And um, so my students who are you know 14 and older, and that includes adults, um, when they take this course, they are literally learning something new. And it doesn't matter how old they are. I've had uh, I've had retirees take my my course and they're learning something new. Um, but it's also a very enjoyable experience because humans were designed to think. We are all thinkers. Um, it's just a question of whether we are unreflective thinkers, which just means we kind of go about the world without um, really thinking about our own thoughts. Um, or we're reflective thinkers and uh, and practice those skills in in one form or another. And, and it's funny that I interview you today because this morning, I know it was last night or this morning, there's this clip that's been going viral on Twitter um, yes. related to, uh, maybe you've seen a J.K. Rowling um, and yes. transphobia and critical thinking and the guy, the teacher uses the Socratic method. And mm -hmm. you see this, and I, I, at first I couldn't finish the video because I just couldn't stand the student and how brainwashed and indoctrinated he was. And you, you, you realize that People today, they're just parroting. Uh, and, you know, mm -hmm. the, the elites, they use this Tavistock, Delphi method, group consensus stuff. And it's just like, it's the group consensus. It's this feeling of like, um, we got to be part of the group. We don't want to be the black sheep. Uh, and But the teacher is just sitting there using, I think, the Socratic method, just asking the questions nonchalantly saying, and, and, and he shows that these people never have proof. It's like J.K. Rowling is transphobic. Okay, can you give me an example? I, I can't. I, that's what just what the group tells me. And I'm like, well, show me an example. Uh, and then as as uh, he goes through it, the Socratic method, at the end, I think he sees that J.K. Rowling is not trans <laughs> transphobic. Right. Your, your further yes. thoughts on that. So I love that clip. And I even, I, I reposted that clip to say, this is a perfect example of not only how I teach, but I teach you to do that very thing. So you, the first thing that you mentioned was that you couldn't finish the clip because you had this visceral reaction to it. Right. So, um, and, and the instructor didn't. So this is actually one of the, one of the first things that I teach in my course is 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 how your emotions relate to your own thinking. 
Um, Because that's not something, even in critical thinking courses that exist right now, that's not something that anybody's going to teach you is to reflect on your own emotions and why you're having them. So why, let me ask you, why did you have the the visceral reaction? It it would have been just how far gone that person was in the programming. And I just felt like, this is so obvious. Well, not, not just that it's so obvious, but just, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, just I, uh, because I think they're like on the other side. And I also feel like um, that way of thinking is evil, you know, because mm-hmm. it, we can apply it to the COVID stuff, you know, to, to everything, because it's it's the programming of the evil system. And the now, evil system that, that says, you know, that's shamed us that, oh, you're you're right. anti-vax, you're, you're this. And, and for many years, we've been, uh, on the on the on the other side, re- receiving that, you, you know, I guess I guess that's part of um, why I, I I couldn't finish it. So did did you did you ever go back to the clip and finish it? I I took a moment and I did I did go yeah I did eventually. Okay, so in five minutes, in five minutes, this very calm teacher was able to talk with the student and get the student to come to a place where they were saying, wait. I I don't have a problem with what J.K. Rowling was saying, right? He completely changed, completely 180 changed his position. And he even said, wow, I feel stupid. Okay. And so here's the other part about teaching critical thinking with the Socratic method. The, The teacher responded to him with, don't worry about it. That's why we're here. So here's the other thing that you didn't learn in school. You did not learn to be comfortable with your own ignorance. And that is a that is a huge key to learning how to think critically is you have to be comfortable with your I don't know. Um, what I tell my students is that I don't know is the compass rose of discovery. We were taught in, in, in school that I don't know is a bad thing. You get a big fat X or a big fat F, right? It's wrong. Don't, you know, you get shamed if you're wrong. Th- those are all things that that we were taught in school that's absolutely wrong. Let me tell you something. We are wrong more often than, than we're right. And when we are wrong, that is the learning opportunity. So in the Socratic method, the the proper way to use it, and it can be misused, but the proper way to use the Socratic method is exactly how he used it in that clip. Number one, um, the teacher should be a guide, right? You notice that the teacher didn't say, I'm going to tell you what I think, right? He said, nope, we're going to work through this. So the teacher's a guide. They aren't there to inject information into the student, right? Number two, um, he assumed the student's capacity to think, right? He assumed that this that this kid, who whomever he was, I don't know how old he was, but um, this he assumed that the student really does have the capacity to think. He just needed to be guided through it. And then the third thing is he did not belittle the student when the student realized his error. So these are very, very important things. When you're out on social media, right? If you're wrong, or if somebody misinterprets you, you get attacked, right? It's, it's, it's worse than it was in school, at least for uh, maybe for our generation. I don't know if it's worse now, but, um, and the key to learning how to think is to be in an environment where the guide understands what their role is in relation to you. And you understand that it is okay to make mistakes there. 
Because even if you make a mistake and you say something that's wrong, we get to use the Socratic method to actually figure out why it's wrong. So let me tell you one story. Um, one of my favorite students, she was actually a homeschool student, but she was very enticed by socialism. And um, when she got into my class, uh, she was a she was a high school student. When she got into my class, first thing she wanted to do was she wanted to debate me. She because I was teaching free market economics, and she wanted to debate me. By the uh, the about the middle of the second class, she was still trying to debate me, and I said, "Okay, I'll tell you what." I said you can't debate what you don't know. So you listen to the lessons. Let me take you through these exercises. You can learn all, all these things about capitalism and free market economics. And if at the end of the course, you want to debate me, then I'll debate you. She said, deal. By the middle of the course, I had a, uh, a lesson on racism. And I used the cartoon series, The Last Avatar, to teach racism. And uh, after that lesson she was significantly less antagonistic because she understood that there was no connection between racism and capitalism. And from that point forward, her questions were, uh, were from a sense of curiosity and not antagonism. She was laughing with the rest of the, the, uh, the class. She was engaging in a, in a curious and genuine way, and she dropped she dropped the antagonism. Now, I don't know if I ever persuaded her of capitalism, but by the end of that course, she did not debate me and she was enjoying being there. So that is that is the benefit to, to learning how to think critically. This is not just for the people out there that you think are wrong. This is for the people like you, right? Who had the visceral reaction to, to the student, right? It's for everybody. And I do need to learn how to get to that Zen state that the teacher had and being able to deal with this stuff. And then putting all that aside, I would ultimately, and I think it's also important having a strong self-esteem because having a thick skin, because I honestly, I don't have a problem saying I don't know, I say it often. Or being criticized every day now in a Telegram, Twitter, um, email, I get criticism for doing this or doing that. And uh, honestly, I don't care. And I think that, that I think that's also an important component. Mm -hmm. And uh, James Lindsay tweeted something recently, and I fully agree with him. He says, pro tip, simply ignore made up Marxist labels like transphobic, which are just designed to control you. Never go along with leftist language, expose what they are really promoting, child mutilation and child sterilization and i fully stand with that i've because i'm down here in mexico i've never really had the direct experience with anyone calling me names like that but if anyone called me transphobic i'd say well what are you heterophobic are you christophobic you know and mm -hmm. it's just like i'm gonna play your game right with you i don't have a problem uh you know so uh it's it's time for our break uh carrie the website again is mereliberty.com we will be right back Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the end of the week. So how about a little dose of Joe Biden at his best to get you through the weekend? Folks, um, uh, I, uh, if I were smart, I'd say thank you and leave. There's asylum, asylum officers and over 100 cutting edge inspe inspection machines. 
to help detect and stop fentanyl coming out of our southwest border. Greedflation, shrinkflation. You see that article about the Snickers bar? Well, it's going to stop. America, we're tired of being played for suckers. We get thousands. Look, we, we, you know, we now have, we used to, before the recession, before the, the pandemic, the beer brewed here, <laughs> it is used to make the brew beer here in this refinery. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why it's going Cost 10 bucks to make it. 10 bucks to make it. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women on Now, normally, this would be humorous, funny, you know? But this is a man who's president of the United States and looking for four more years on the job. It's frightening. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Hi. I'm your retirement fear. But don't be scared. You're still in pre-tirement. Does that mean I have more time to plan? Precisely. Here, this is pretirement.org. Retirement savings options. <laughs> Potential tax breaks. Ooh. This isn't scary. I'm doing it. You got this. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's our final segment with Carrie Baldwin, mereliberty.com. Check out the, the resources she has there, uh, courses. And there's so much I want to ask you about. You know, you, you talk about abortion, but um, I also did find on your website where it says a reformed view of Romans 13 and civil governance. And that's always a great topic. I, I've got <laughs> behind me, uh, Chuck Baldwin wrote a book on, on Romans 13. I've interviewed him on my podcast. Um, but I think this is important from a Christian perspective, the balance between obeying government and, and not. And, you know, my view is that as for, from the Christian perspective, basically we're not so much about politics. You know, Jesus would tell Pontius Pilate, you know, I can just snap my fingers with the angels and we can overthrow the Roman Empire. But that, that that's really not the point. We're supposed to work with the gospel socially uh, and so forth. And from ground up that way, transform hearts who then um, push back against the government. And, you know, I had an experience during COVID where, where one church, overall, they were open and there were no problems. But it was like one Sunday, things got to a head and they just decided like to force me to wear a mask. And I was like, you know, for, for, for COVID. And I was just like, well, no, it's like, if you do that, then that means you're going to then ask for vaccine passports. Uh, cause some churches, you know, in, 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 I used to live in Switzerland during COVID Switzerland churches were demanding vaccine passports to enter into the church. And I'm like, what next? The mark of the beast. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. so I think, I think there is a, a fine line. How do you view the fine line between, um, when to obey government and when to disobey? Yeah. And we have, um, so one of the other things that I do is I'm a co-host on a podcast called Reformed Libertarians Podcast. Um, and my co-host Gregory Baus has really done a lot of work on the Romans 13 uh, issue, but I can sum it up uh, this way. Um, Romans 13, we don't take to be as describing the state as such, right? It's not like Paul is uh, saying uh, that the uh you know that hitler's germany was was good and just or anything like that we take romans 13 to be pres prescriptive 
Um, and that basically means what Paul is describing in Romans 13 is what a just God-ordained government looks like. And when it doesn't look like that, it's not only not just, it's not God-ordained. Um, and so it's not something that that we are obligated as Christians to obey. Um, so that's uh, that's sort of a brief synopsis of the uh, uh, of the Romans 13 take that we have. I really strongly recommend if anybody's curious about um, about that, Gregory Baus has really done a lot of work, and you can find that on reformedlibertarians.com. I mean, he's he's addressed a ton of objections to it, including some some uh, objections from the Old Testament and uh, and that sort of thing. So it's really he's done some extensive work on it, and I highly highly recommend it. Abortion, another explosive topic, yes. which, which you touch on and um, and linking it to earlier critical thinking. Um, and so when I was in undergrad in Illinois, I studied history and education. And this was kind of while I was still in the early process of waking up to everything that's going on. Uh, and and it's really, as you say, we're like NPCs or lemmings uh, as, as high school students and, and mm -hmm. um, undergrads. And I go in. Uh, I, I'm not having any critical thinking. I'm just like my mind, just just whatever they put into my mind. And I was assigned by my history teacher of, of whatever that class was uh, to write an eight-page paper on Margaret Sanger of Planned Parenthood. And at that mm. time, I'm just like, I thought she was good. You know, I still have a copy of the paper. I wrote uh, about her in a positive light because that's what I was. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't questioning anything, no critical thinking. And then later... I, I look back at my younger self. I'm like, now she's this eugenicist, you know, uh, she's there's clips of her talking about how she wants to limit the drastically decrease the black population, uh, you know, just how um, how many people they just it's, it's depopulation is eugenics, you know, the whole Planned Parenthood project. And so it's like that that's an example of, of waking up and critical thinking and just your, your further views on uh, abortion. Yeah, well, so what I say about the abortion topic is that the reason why um, conflict exists among the populace, right? So I'm not talking about the fringe, uh, the fringe people like Margaret Sanger, um, but the general populace, right? The reason why conflict still exists on this issue is because pro-choicers well, both sides compromise rights. Pro-choicers compromise the rights of the fetus in favor of the woman, and pro-lifers tend to compromise women's rights in favor of the fetus. And this begs the question about whether human rights are uh, something that are opposed to one another, right? Can the can fetal rights and women's rights actually be in conflict with one another? Is that uh, a consistent theory of human rights. And I argue, no, it's not. Um, and so I, I do, I've done a lot of work on uh, explaining a libertarian theory of abortion from a property rights perspective, respecting the self-ownership of, of the mother, um, but also recognizing where legitimate rights for the fetus exist. And uh, again, I've done um, a ton of work on, on that and still continuing to do work on it. I debated uh, Dr. Walter Block at the Soho Forum in uh, December 2019. Um, so you guys can can go check that out. But um, essentially, I argue that right, these rights are not in conflict. Um, and we actually have much to learn about a sort of um, 
you know, natural law property rights theory just by looking at the relationship between mother and child, which is actually something that philosophers have never done. It's you mentioned Walter Block. I was reading last week. Uh, I've interviewed Michael Reckenwald, and I've 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 met him mm -hmm. and um, cool guy. Uh, and uh, some people have been trying to excommunicate, I guess, Walter Block from the uh, libertarian movement because of the Israel Palestine stuff. But I just, I thought that was amusing. But um, I, I also we just got four minute. We're four minutes to midnight, uh, and I did want to ask you, since you know you, you oscillate between black pilled and and white pilled. I do as well. I'm a big fan of Legal Man, who I've had on the program. He starred in the Jones Plantation film, uh, and he—I'm stealing his term. He says he's cyanide pilled, and so I—I I, I also uh, am cyanide pilled at times. But any thoughts on on how we can return, try and return to liberty, stave off uh, tyranny globally? You know, we're all facing wherever we are in Australia, here in Mexico. I live in a freaking smart city. Uh, they're trying to take away our cars and cash. And so uh, the thoughts on on how to push back against uh, all of this ins uh, insanity and re return to uh, an era of, of freedom and prosperity. Yeah, so I, I have thought about this. Um, and libertarians believe that order comes spontaneously through the voluntary interactions of human beings. And that it's actually the imposed, quote unquote, order um, from authoritarians that is chaos. Um, so if we want to restore order, the way to do it is uh, by interacting with our neighbors, our friends, as much locally as we possibly can. Um, I, I recall an interview, well, I guess it wasn't an interview, but it was a podcast episode that The Economist Bob Murphy did where he talked about the Velvet Revolution. And uh, it's called the Velvet Revolution because it was a peaceful takeover of a of a communist dictatorship and that was done not through violence and not trying not through trying to be authoritarian themselves but through talking to their neighbors and you know pamphleteering like what like Ron Paul said and really making noise because that is our comparative advantage is speaking out and, um, you know, digging our heels in on principle, going back to principle for crying out loud. Um, so that's how we do it. We do it from the bottom up because that's where order naturally comes from. And, you, and, you know, I was actually last night I came across a quote by Alexander Solzhenitsyn um, talking about violence. And it was kind of out of context. And I, I found the paragraph and, and he talks about violence is never the way and sometimes there are people in my chats or um you know on the tnt chat or my telegram chat advocating for violence against the government and my first instinct is like you're either a fed because the federal government <laughs> wants you to initiate violence right. that that's not the way and as you say history shows us it's always non-violence you know they can't do they have a hard time when you're not when you're successfully non-violent they want you to give them an excuse to crack down. And so right. um, I to totally uh, agree with you. We're, we're one minute to midnight. Uh, I had more questions, but um, yeah, any final thought for us? And then you can let us know uh, about all of your projects and, and where to find you. 
Well, um, man, I just, I really encourage everybody to, uh, to really think about what it is that their skills are um, and how you can improve them and how you can share that with your neighbor um, and, and really influence liberty from the ground up. Um, and if you want to know how to do that, I am teaching the course and I have open enrollment right now. You can go to libertyseminar.com, which takes you to a page on nearliberty.com uh, to find out more. Well, keep up the great uh, work, Carrie. Thanks for being on TNT. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, I'm signing off. Steve Malsberg is up next. Keep on rocking in the not so free world. And uh, as Patrick McGuhan used to say, be seeing you.